Thanks for listening to the podcast of Hope Church in East Hampton, Connecticut. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve the world. To find out more about Hope Church, be sure to check out our website at cthope.com. that we've been kind of talking through and referencing throughout this series. Uh, One of them is called um, the Spiritual Disciplines Handbook. Uh, We actually gave a copy of that away last week, but that's one of the main ones. And then the other one is a book called Practicing the Way uh, by John Mark Comer. I finished that book this week. It's a great book, and it's uh, just it's helpful with this series, which I'm going to tell you about what it's all about in a second. So just wanted to make sure you had a visual. You could take a picture of that, um, and you can get it afterwards or whatever if you want. All right, here's my question. How many people have ever run a marathon? Anybody in here run marathon? Keep those hands up. I got to see you crazy people. Yeah. That's amazing. A bunch of you. A bunch of you. That's, that's awesome. Now, how many of you in here would say, I've never run one yet, but I have a goal. It's going to be something I do someday in my life. Anybody? Okay, there's there's enough of you in here. I figured there'd be more crazy people. That's all good. Uh, I got a question for you. How about anybody interested in running a marathon with me tomorrow? Anyone? Just one person, maybe. So, yeah, 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 yeah. The first two questions aren't silly at all, right? I mean, come on. I mean, you guys have done it. Uh, The last one, that's a little bit crazy. Because you can't just run a marathon if you just decide to run a marathon, right? And you say, but no, 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 Tom, I'm going to do it. I know I can do it. I'm determined. I can do this thing. Well, let me just say this. I love your good intentions. I love that you want to do it. But my prediction would be, if you went to go 26.2 miles, I think that was maybe on the screen before, but if you go and try to attempt 26.2 miles, if you're anything like me, you probably get to about mile two, you might get a mile in, and you're going to regret everything that you said. But I want to do it. I'm determined I could do it. But I'm just saying, just be realistic with stuff. Now, there's other people in here they're probably a little bit better. Some runners in here, maybe like Maria Searles and others, who they might get to like maybe mile five and ten. But after that, I'm going to guess you're also going to struggle to get beyond that. Right? And if you did, either, whatever happens, you're probably going to need several days of recovery if you tried this thing anyways. If you tried to run a marathon, you can't do it. You need to train first. You can have all the good intentions. You can have all the willpower in the world. But you're still going to come up short. You can't willpower your way through a marathon. You will fail. Now, I have tried this before, I want to say, not with a marathon, but with a 5K, right? 
So this is way back. We had to be newly married, Sarah and I. I'm in my 20s. I'm in great shape. And my, my, um, my father-in-law, he comes up to us and he says, hey, you want to run a 5K race with me? It's the Prospect Road Race. That was the area that we lived in. Um, and so I think we said, yeah, why not? That sounds like a fun little family event that we could all do together. And so being, being young and in shape and very confident in myself, I didn't train for this. I just figured I'll show up and I'll run a 5K. I mean, what is 3.1 miles? That's nothing, not a big deal. In fact, I had, been, I had run before in my life. I'd done it before, so why not? This was my first ever like, official road race, though. So we show up to the road race, and I immediately realized I was in trouble. Because there were real runners around me. And, and by the way, I have to say this because it, it might make more sense. I don't just do things for fun, okay? I, I do things because I'm competitive and I want to win. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's my side note. So I, get, so I said, okay, all right, I think I'm in trouble here. I need a strategy. I need a strategy. So here was my strategy. So this is a good strategy. You guys will follow along. Like, I was like, okay, here's the deal. If I get out to a really good lead, if I just book it so that I'm far ahead of everybody else, and then I trust myself to just barely get by, but I should be able to stay ahead of the rest of the pack, at least, you know, my age or whatever. I was wrong. I was very wrong. It was a very bad strategy, uh, let me just say. Not only did I lose, I lost pretty badly. I'm pretty sure if I remember, I, I came in like the bottom third of my bracket in my age group and, and all that kind of stuff. What was my problem? Besides the fact that I was cocky and thought I could do it. The problem is, I didn't practice. I didn't train. I actually thought like willpower and good intentions were going to be enough to carry me through a, you know, a respectable finish. I was trying, but I wasn't training. And here's the deal. I think many Christians, many of us, will get into this spiritual journey. We'll, we'll start having these great intentions and well-intentioned ideas about how we're going to get someplace spiritually and how we're going to do this new thing. And you're trying really, really hard. You have all the good intentions in the world. You think that maybe just by sheer willpower alone, you could power through this thing and get to where you want to be in your spiritual life. And I'm going to say, it's not going to work. You need to stop trying and you need to start training. So I want to talk about this a little bit today. So we're finishing up a series, if you are new. Uh, we're finishing up a series today called New Year, New You. And we know that title, by the way, is a bit cliche or maybe a lot cliche. But, but, here, but here's the deal. It is a series that I've been very hopeful, and Carrie, we've been very hopeful that we could open up your mind to new ways to encounter God. Because here's the deal, I believe all of us need space to be able to do that. We need moments in space in our lives where we need to think about, really, really think about where we've been, where we are right now, and where we want to go. 
And we want to be serious about that. And so pretty much every year I've taught here, at the beginning of the year, it's going to be some kind of series like this because there's such value in thinking it through for the rest of our lives. And so let me just review so you can catch up to where we are now. First of all, in this series, I said this week one, a new you is going to involve re-examining one or more of the following areas in your life. It's going to be your heart, your head, and your body. Your heart, that's what I'm calling like the spiritual condition here, right? What's happening in your heart. Maybe you need a new you in your mind, mentally. You need to work through some healthy habits. And of course, body is just that. Maybe physically, you need to make some changes to be the new you that you want to be. But here's the important thing that you need to know about this. A new you is going to be revealed by your choices and your habits. Those two things. A new you is only going to be revealed by your choices in your habits. And like I said, week one, C always comes before the H, like our digraph, okay? Choices before habits. So week one, I talked about choices. Week two, we talked about habits. And Carrie's done a great job these past couple weeks, but she talked about that the new you is going to be a slow journey. And we need to interrupt the crazy pace of life for a pace of what? Do you remember what she said? A pace of peace. Not all the commotion, but we need to find that place of peace. And that includes slowing down and examining and resting. And again, you should go back and listen to these if you haven't already. And then last week, we continued discussion about habits, or as we sometimes call them, spiritual disciplines, as well as the encouragement to be resilient, right? But uh, she talked about the, uh, uh, the, um, the disciplines. We have to have the discipline to be able to detach from the things that maybe we're comfortable with or that we've always been comfortable with. Sometimes we have to let go of those things in order to become the people that we want to be or that God wants us to be. So it is our hope in this series that you've been taking inventory of that for yourself. I really hope that you have. It's super important about where you've been, about where you are right now, and where you want to go next. And I want to encourage you with this. It is never too late to make the choices to move forward. It's never too late to make the choice to follow the wisdom and way of God. It's never too late. You could start right now, today. C.S. Lewis said this, you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. So the question today is, okay, I hear you. How do I get there? And if I was going to give you the short answer, it would be this. Stop trying and start training. Stop trying and start training. So here's what I want to do. I want to start in God's word because we're always going to look at we get together. There's this passage in 1 Timothy. If you have a Bible, you could turn there. Uh, you could go to the app on your phone. You could follow along online, or it's going to be on the screen, which we always make sure we have it for people here, okay? We're going to look at this verse in this book called 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. And that verse says this. It's one of my favorites. Train yourself to be godly. Train yourself 
to be godly. Now, I want to take another just sidebar here really quickly because I know my audience is all over the place. Maybe this is the first time you've even been in church or even have opened the Bible. So cool. I want to just set up something. So the Bible, the original Bible, was not written in the English language, okay? It was written primarily in two languages, Greek and Hebrew. And uh, when we get into the Bible, it's divided up into two like large portions. You probably heard this, the Old Testament and the New Testament, right? So the Old Testament was mainly written in Hebrew, and the New Testament was written in Greek. So this passage and uh, a lot of the others we're going to be looking at today are in the New Testament. Sometimes, sometimes things get lost in translation, right? If something has been um, recorded and translated, sometimes it's simply because we start to use a word differently in our time and our culture. So we see a word and it doesn't resonate exactly with maybe the point. And so that's our job and try to figure that out. What is this saying here? Train yourself to be godly. So I wanted to look up that word train in the Greek. And Bob, I think that's the one I put there. We see this word in the Greek is, I don't even know how to say it, gymnase or gymnaza, gymnasi. But we'll go, that's it, that sounds Italian. Yeah. Gymnasi. Uh, you made me lose track, man. <laughs> what do you see? What do you see in that word? Gym. Yeah. Pretty good. So there's not a whole lot of like different translation. Here's, here's what he's saying. This could have like two kind of meanings. It either means to exercise or to have discipline. It means to have uh, discipline or to exercise. So what he's saying is if we want to increase being more like Jesus, which I think is the goal, to be more godly, we have to exercise and train ourselves, organize ourselves, discipline ourselves to get there. And by the way, no one has arrived. I want you to hear that, again, maybe if you're new to church too, because church people have not done a great job with this throughout the years. We do not have it all together. Some of the worst people are probably Christians, right? Because we end up getting looked at hypocrites because we fail. But listen, don't let that discourage you. We're doing our best to follow what God wants us to do. Anyways, yeah, so that's what that means. Now, some people in church world would call this, this is like discipleship. And again, I have some tension with that word, uh, but let's go with that. Discipleship means being more like Christ. I said it a few weeks ago, maybe, you know, this, the idea of being little Christs in our world. That's the idea here. But he's saying this. In other words, this is what he's saying. No matter how much you try, you don't just arrive. You have to become. Take that to heart, everyone. You don't just arrive there. You have to become. And you become over long periods of time. One step at a time. One change at a time. One habit at a time. And maybe even one decision at a time. It is a journey. You are not running a marathon. No matter how well-intentioned you are, you need to start training, not trying. And so the question then becomes for me, so how do you start doing this? Where does this start? How do I practically begin to figure this out for my spiritual journey? And I would say this, I think the Bible teaches us that it starts in our mind. And I want to look at that, and I'm going to show you that today. 
Certainly it starts with the choice, but then we've got to train our minds. Let's look at Romans chapter 12. This is where I want to go. Romans chapter 12. Again, it's going to be on the screen. Listen to this verse, these verses. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God, and he is talking about your physical body, okay? Your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. So let me stop really quick and say, he is saying it is very important to take care of your physical self. It is of great importance. It's actually a spiritual uh, habit. We talked about this in week one, that all of that works together to be holistically the kind of people that God wants us to be. That's not my message today, though. I want to to concentrate on the next verse, verse 2. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. So some of your translations might say conform, and I actually like that word better here in this verse, okay? Don't conform to the behavior and customs of this world. And what that really means is of this age, of the time that we're living in. Don't conform to all the things that are happening around us. He says, but let God, what? Transform. Everybody say that together. Transform. Don't conform, but let God transform you into a new person. How? By changing the way you think. Starts in the mind. Because if we are able to do that, he says, then you'll learn how to know God's will for you. And this is going to be good and pleasing to the Lord. Now, I'm going to go back and get all geeky on you again. I don't do this all the time, but these are important. I wanted to go back to the Greek and say, what do these words actually mean? How do we get to the bottom of the the intent of what he's trying to say here? So I want to look at that word conform. Conform, the Greek meaning of that means masquerading or putting on an act. So in other words, what I think he's trying to say is if you call yourself a Christian, if you're trying to do what everybody else does, it's like you're an actor in a play, just masquerading. We don't really know exactly who you are or who you're supposed to be. In fact, in some ways, it's kind of like putting on an act. Don't masquerade around as something else, he says. Don't be drawn in. And that's what's interesting about this word, too. It's also, it's written in the passive tense, which means don't don't allow this to happen to you. This is happening to you. Does that make sense? Each and every day as we go through, something is happening to us. As John Mark Comer would say is, he says, you are being discipled by something. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what religion you are. It doesn't matter what way you follow. You are being, you you might say, I don't follow anyway. You still are being discipled by something. You're being conformed in some way. He says, stop letting yourself be drawn into that. So again, Comer in his book would say, so you want to talk about what it, become, what it means to be godly, what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. How do we get better at that? And he says there's three things. He goes, number one, all discipleship starts with being with Jesus. Number two, we want to become like him. 
And three, we want to do as he did. We want to be with, we want to become like, and we want to do like. And I really, I like this, and I'm working through it now in my head. And as I always think of things like in the church context, I started thinking, listen to our mission statement. I, wanna, I don't think I have it up here. But when you have been around hope at all, we have this mission statement. Love God, love people, and serve the world. Be with Jesus, love God. Being with Jesus means we are setting him apart and we want to show our love and appreciate him. And we do that by spending time and, and all that. Like, be with him. Second, become like him. Love people. You, people loved Jesus. It was the spiritual people who didn't like Jesus, honestly. People were drawn to Jesus. Man, I could do a whole series on this because it's so fascinating to me. But people were Jesus' priority. And he says, discipleship is first being with him and understanding kind of like where I'm supposed to go. But second is you have to be with people. You have to love on people. Thirdly, do like he did. Serve the world. Love God, love people, serve the world. Do like he did. What did Jesus come to do? To serve. And to give his life a ransom for the world, right? That's what the Bible tells us. So that's the three things. Be with Jesus. Become like Jesus. Do like he did. All right, so let me get back to the Bible, how we train ourselves to be godly. So don't copy, don't masquerade the behavior and customs of this age, but let God, everybody say transform. Transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Now, here's the Greek word for transform. Some of you might know this, and again, I'm going to uh, kill the pronunciation here, but it's metamorphoste. Metamorphoste. What do you hear in that metamorphosis? What does your mind immediately go to? Yeah, of course. I was looking up some really cool videos to be able to show you the process, and I could not find any legal ones that I could show. So think about it in your mind's eye, right? You have this caterpillar, and it's really amazing. You put it like on like the fast-forward speed, right? And it, you see this thing cocoon up, and all of a sudden something's happening, on the inside, it merges as a butterfly. That's the idea we get with metamorphosis. This is the word that it came from, transform. And so if you break that down exactly the way it is, meta uh, means after, and morph means form or formation. So God wants to form us after something different. <laughs> It's really cool. This word is also passive, though, uh, which means it's allowing something to be done to us. So literally, you could say this verse is saying, keep on being transformed. Keep on working from the inside out. That's what God wants to do. It's not, boom, it's over. It's a work. It's a transformative process that continues to happen from the inside out. How do we morph into something different? By changing the way we think. It's our mind. Let me hear this. This might be something that's the most important thing you're going to hear all day. God is not interested in changing your behavior. He's interested in changing the way you think. 
Let me just let that sit for a second. God is not interested in changing your behavior. I actually think, again, this is where the church has gotten it wrong for the centuries. Not this church necessarily, but just we expect all this behavior to change without actually nothing transforming on the inside. And then people realize, oh my goodness, what a bunch of hypocrites. Because people inevitably are going to screw up. They're not going to make it all the way. They're going to fall on their face, right? Just like our marathon. No. That was never the idea. He wants to transform the way you think. And I'm going to say something that I've said a bunch of times in my messages. What you believe will then determine how you behave. So if we can believe the right things, then it will affect our behavior, how we live in this world, how we interact with other people. So check this out. I have this picture that I found this week that I think it might be helpful. So what you believe is the transformation part, okay? And then will determine how you behave. That's the confirmation part. So, Bob, get to that next picture there. There should be a picture that pops up. Here we go. Maybe this is a way to think of it, kind of almost like an iceberg, okay? When we can really understand and become this fully formed, strong person underneath, right, That's the transformation. That's the inside work. That's the deep work. That's where we gain our strength. It's where we understand what we believe, our convictions, our values, all that kind of thing. And then people see the top level. That's our behavior. That's the confirmation part, conformation. Right? So with this, and I want to finish with one last thought today. I want to go back and look at the man himself. I want to look at something that Jesus said. I think it's really important. So let me set this up. Uh, Jesus' most famous, so, so people love Jesus, like I said. They would flock to listen to him. He was different. He loved people. He seemed to have this connection with people. And so they would follow him around everywhere he went. And there's this one uh, instance in the Bible It's probably the most famous instance of people following him and listening to his teaching. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And so Matthew, I think it's Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 7, all of this passage is is Jesus' sermon. And it's all these great things about what it means to be a Christian, what it means to follow God. These are the things that we need to be thinking about. These are the things that we shouldn't be doing. All these different kinds of things. And I want you to listen to Jesus' language here in Matthew chapter 7 as he's closing his famous, his most famous teaching out. Listen to what he says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. He says this, Anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. We're training. We're practicing. Do you see that? If you hear these, you need to begin to practice them. doesn't mean you're going to get them all right. Jesus was not interested in that. He's saying, how do I get this? Slowly but surely built into the way you operate as my child. And he goes, if you do that, you're the wise person. And he ends with this parable, with this crazy story. And it just drops after that. But listen to this parable. He goes this, you're like the wise man who builds his house on the rock. It reminds me of that picture I just showed you. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, it beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But 
everyone who hears all this stuff, who processes all this stuff, right? Like we're doing, and does not put it into practice. You're gonna just try real hard. You think you can will yourself through this thing is gonna be the foolish person. And the foolish person builds their life on the sand. The rains come down, the streams rise, the winds blow, it beats against the house, and it falls with a great crash. Done, end of story, sermon over, bye. That's what Jesus did. I think what Jesus is trying to say here is if you stop trying and you start training, slowly, by, uh, you know, slowly, uh, step by step, he goes, you're going to have much better chance of success. Jesus knows what he's doing, okay? He understands the struggles you are going to face. The struggles that you face in all of this stuff seems super hard. He already knows. He's planned out. In fact, I would say the Sermon on the Mount, he like is anticipating all the things that you might run into stumbling blocks when you try to do this, right? So he knows. But when you consistently train, disciple, organize your life, around God, when the hard stuff comes, you're going to be able to stand. You will have the strength to stand. I believe in that promise of God, but you're going to have to train for it. So let me assure you, this is a good thing. Church, you don't have to wake up today and run the marathon of spiritual perfection and Christian journey and all that stuff. It is going to be a slow process that we train for. And it starts in our mind. It starts with our choices. It starts with opening our minds to what Jesus says. It starts in our mind to be able to transform the way we think. Stop trying. Start training. Stop trying. Start training. Be with Jesus. Become like Jesus. Do what he did. One last thing I want to say, because I think this is so important, because I want to encourage all of you guys. And also, it's cool because it brings the race analogy right back to Hebrews chapter 12. I'm going to read the message version. It says this. You see what all this means? These pioneers, all the people who've gone before us, all the people who have done all the same things that we're doing, by the way, and all the same struggles. Your struggles are not unique. Your hangups are not unique. Your questions are not unique. But all these people who trained, okay? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all the veterans cheering us on. It means that we get, we'd better get on with it. Strip down, start running, don't quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, 
whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor, right alongside God. And when you find yourself flagging in your faith, and all of us could raise our hands and say, amen, because that's where I'm at. I'm all over the place. But he says, when you find yourself there, go over that story again and again and again. That long litany of hostility he plowed through, and that's going to shoot adrenaline into your souls. I love that. The tension of training versus trying. You're not going to be able to just get up and run the marathon. Get that out of your head. Just the next step. One step at a time. And I think my prayer for everyone here is that God gives us the ability to see clearly what that next step is today. Let's pray. God, I don't know where people are at. I don't know where they're coming from. Uh, I don't know what questions or hang-ups or concerns or, but it really doesn't matter. Because God, what I'm just asking for is that we open up our hearts, our minds, our lives to you and what you want to say, the wisdom and truth of your word, that it's still relevant today, even though it was written so long ago. God, I pray that we would... um, confront the lie that we're going to just have it all together, that we're not going to have any problems, that we're going to be able to do this thing. No. God, it's going to be one step at a time. And God, that's why I think community, a place like this church comes in, because we need each other to rely on, to understand, to work through, to process. May we always do that without judgment. May we do that with the right intent, not because we want our way, but because we want what's best for people. God, help us to be with you, to become like you, and to do what you did. In Jesus' name, amen.